So I gave you an album. Yes. And I gave you the album Correspondence of Fiction mm. by uh, a favourite artist of mine, Levi the Poet. Yeah. Um, arguably not as big as Devo. Uh, however. But he's I, at that stage where Devo might have been as they were building up. It just needs a right break, isn't it, really? Let's hope that the can get an album with Eno. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, I think similar to some of the points you raised with Devo is it's certainly much more arty than other music. It doesn't follow the same formula as other musicians around him. I love it. Uh, spoken word genre is one that, especially with music as well, you know, is something that isn't as huge as it should be mm-hmm. and between Levi and a band called Listener who are also favourite and they're good friends are putting out quality music that I just want people to listen to mm. hence why I've covered it hence why I've given it to you um, before we go on and this can be an edit do you want to go over some tracks first or do you want to do an intro let me have a yeah let me have a quick listen to uh Eight. All right, we're back on. So, where were we? So yeah, I chose Lead by the Poet, Correspondence mm-hmm. of Fiction. Um, very powerful album. One of my favourite spoken word albums. I want to know your first thoughts mm. on the album as such when you listen to it. Put it on. What how how did you feel? So I thought it was. I really enjoyed listening to it. I thought it was really well produced. And really well, really well put together. I was listening to it and researching it at the same time, which was an interesting process. And I had no idea how much material he'd put out, out there on it as well, the commentary stuff, which is great to find. It's a very and, well, mm, you, can, you can go very deep into this album, which I love. Yes, and the, re- and the comments about it elsewhere as well, so other people take their own their own journeys through it as well. Uh, I really enjoyed the references to classical culture. It's littered with that. And I'm obviously a massive Bob Dylan fan, which he does this as well. So of course. Huge. Yeah. Moby Dick. Yeah, Moby Dick is the presence. First thing I wrote in Block Capitals was Moby Dick, which is really important to American culture. And if that's not stating the obvious. And uh, so it's it's like a it's like a history lesson in how or a lesson in how to absorb history into your work and how to demonstrate the relevance of culture and, and its own message and meaning for you and then pass it on to new listeners who might then be interested in where those ideas came from so I thought it was really valuable like that and a very rare example of it because we live at a time when that's quite unusual. And you have to remember that people who grew up in the United States probably up until maybe your generation or the one before would, certainly before, until the internet, would have grown up on Moby Dick. It's a, it's a hugely important novel. And... Um, now I think possibly people don't engage with novels quite so much since the since the, the rise of internet culture. 
So I think what he's doing is really culturally important in that respect. Brilliant. So it was it was really nice to listen to it in that in that way. It made me think of lots of other parts of history, history, the history of music as well, particularly early hip hop. So hip hop starts obviously with African American culture in in probably the Bronx or whatever or, or New York in the in the in the sixties and seventies. Harlem and, and the, the Last Poets and people like that. But prior to that, there was this, this tradition of slam poetry over jazz music. And it reminded me a lot of that stuff it, throughout the 50s. It would often be um, poets doing this kind of long form stuff over some really chilled, jazzy, vibey, yeah, right. Which is what Lawrence, yeah, Lawrence Falangetti is one example, but there's a bunch of others. A whole set of album uh, tracks on Colours is one. Um, and uh, there's there's a few famous artists whose name escapes me at the moment. Ken Nordine, he did the Colours album. And Lawrence Falangetti and other people did this kind of poetry over over what was then often quite sort of mellow or mellow but a bit left field jazz instrumentals so it reminded me a lot of that but in a, in a new way and then the other thing I thought was really admirable about it was that it come through band camp and that it was a, it was a complete project so there was a producer musician and the poet and a visual artist as well. He's doing the artwork. And yeah. Media. So it's it's kind of an integral, pro it's a project that it's not just the lyrics or the music, but it's the whole, the whole element is a product of three or four people working on different aspects of it to make it work. It's, it's a complete piece as well. Yeah, exactly. It yeah. feel unfinished mm. in any way. Mm. You can you can listen to that yeah. from start to finish. Yeah, and feel completely satisfied yes. with what you've heard. Yes, and say taken in in terms of the art, the lyrics, the artwork. Yeah, the music. And there's a narrative, and there's a story, and it takes you on a journey. Obviously, because it is a journey as well, and and the reference points are all really solid. That that was the what when you do that. You're essentially saying, I know my business, and he does that extremely well. So he um, he's able to situate who he is in culture. Somebody else that reminded me of who's a musician, songwriter, as in someone who sings rather than does poetry, is I don't know how I've never known how to pronounce his first pronounce his first name, Sufjan Stevens. I'm a fan of Sufjan. I'd say Sufjan Stevens yeah. as well. So he's to me he's he's been hugely important in the last decade or so. And he also has uses a lot of narrative and central uh, you know the 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 American, you know, much like Devo from Ohio from those kind of uh, central states uh, and um, just captures that really nicely. I think the difference between the two is that 
stuff Jan Stevens is very, very strong melodically and in terms of the harmonic construction of his work. And this is, because it's poetry, a lot of the emotion is in his voice and the, and the way he tells the story, which is slightly different. When you're using melody, you can build emotion into the, the lyric, the shape of the lyric and the, the, the chord changes and harmonies that are going on. So I thought, but that's a formula, that's a form. You know, it's a question about form. Um, this, I, this, the ones I liked the best were the ones that were the most harmonically adventurous. And I am not a very harmonically adventurous musician. Like, I'm a really basic meat and two veg guitarist. So I enjoy stuff that isn't harmonically adventurous too, but the ones that the ones that were really the most melodic are the ones who just listened back to a couple of them. And track six as well, I think that's probably my favourite. Because they, they had some really nice melodies. And to, to, to interrupt you, mm. chapter, chapter six isn't one that I'm going to delve into mm -hmm. personally. Mm -hmm. But I will state that I had a conversation with Ey mm. prior to the podcast over email. Just, I wanted to do him justice. I of course, to, yeah. It's a really beautiful piece of work, and it's even though it is a fiction, mm. it is a very personal piece mm. of work. And I wanted to make sure I got the message mm. across that he wanted to get across. Mm. And Levi says that for the whole album, it's chapter six that really brings home the main points. Yeah, he's trying to okay, get. right. So That's interesting. You share the same favorite track with Levi yeah. himself in chapter six. Well, it's just it's just a great tune and I um uh I, I I'm sort of a melody person at heart so I just really enjoyed the melody on that. I also wondered if if there's a few things you can do I don't know how Levi would feel about it if anybody did this but you can now obviously induce melody in a spoken word vocal. So I wondered if there was any opportunity for any aspiring people to to throw things or take take words from the track isolate them so you it would be an interesting little challenge like the, what i'm thinking of is when the white stripes came out and it was just guitar and drums yeah. and vocals and i used to say to the bass players there's a great little opportunity to throw a bass line on the track and do something inventive with it around what's there and uh, levi would probably hate me for saying this but <laughs> if i was if i was going to, um, if I was a musician with a project and I thought, well, I love that record. If I was a bass player, I'd do it with a White Stripes album. But I wonder if you could create some harmonically satisfying backing vocals from snatches of phrases that went around what's there. Yeah. Or do that thing where you isolate a vocal out of the track which you can do digitally now, turn it virtually into an instrumental and then replay the vocal back in, occasionally say it goes into tune. I just thought that was, because there's obviously, there's a whole set, there's a whole chunk of musicality that he's chosen not to use, which is great. It's a fantastic achievement. It's a bit like that bloke, some author wrote a novel without using the letter E. 
But there's a whole, <laughs> you know, there's a whole, yeah. there's a whole section of, of creativity that he's gone. That's not what I am about. I'm going to do this, and somebody could go, okay, I'm, I, as a fan, a bit like fan fiction, fan melody, fan melody. So where where fans take something and rewrite it, and and you could get the same song. Like imagine a White Stripes album with three different bass players putting bass lines into it. It'd be quite an interesting proposition. Is it? I'm always thinking in terms of student, inventive student project. Of and then you could send it back to Levi and go, hey, what do you reckon to this? <laughs> and he's probably, you know, go, get your hands off my arse. But um, as, as a musician, like on, on this subject, because hmm. Levi lovingly refers us to the backing track as a soundtrack. Mm. And, yeah. And it's very cinematic. Yeah. Yeah. So it is very orchestral, mm. not synth. Mm. use and um, as a guitarist do you feel that you you could have seen a guitar in there you could have seen more well the, basic instruments that's in partly why i like track six because it's got guitar in <laughs> and backing vocals yes so it's, it's a lot more that's, of a that's more my home my, one of my questions for Levi: is it a real piano or is it a digital one we can email him mm. we'll find out be, i'd be interested to know because that's, you I think that's an interesting thing. We're getting so used to the sound of digital instruments and plugins that it sounds great. It sounds to me too good to be a real piano. Okay, too clean, perhaps. So I'm, I'm assuming it's a, it's a digital piano, and I'm assuming that most of the instruments, and I could be entirely wrong. And this is part of the problem. With, you know, obviously we're forty years on from the Devo album, and you could. You can spend a lot of time and money recording something really, really well, like they did, or just pull it out of a box, sounding great. But now we're used to stuff. That's partly why the Devo sounds still sounds so fresh because it doesn't sound great. Yeah, it sounds just sounds really good, but different. And um, I wonder if if we're in an age where as a musician, it's just easier to pull things out of the box. Trying to think the album we made. There's a few things that are played and and sounds and mic'd up. Like there's a harmonium in the studio where we were. And we were like, I've got to put that on the record. And so we put a mic on it and played it. We're like, no, it sounds crap. Let's just get without a computer. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe we're just used to computer pianos now. Of course. Um, I don't know, but that was an interesting little moral dilemma to me in terms of what, because I'm resistant to digital instruments, and um, yeah, but I did really enjoy it. My, it's a, I certainly saw the cinematic element and thought you could you. It, it's like he's what his vocals are doing, are putting pictures on the screen. So it's like a film yeah. soundtrack where he's. The film. The film. And I, that's something I'd note it down to say for mm -hmm. me is especially when we delve deeper into the the tracks I've chosen to mm -hmm. kind of my favourite tracks. I mean, well, let's start with one of them anyway. Yeah. So let's, let's, I mean, I'm going to start further on and we'll go back to our mm -hmm. tracks with Chapter 8, mm -hmm. which is White Whales, like Black Plagues, mm -hmm. which is obviously the very heavy Moby Dick and mm -hmm. track. Mm -hmm. To me, I can put that that track on and I often do walk into work mm. walk into you know this is an album I listen to on commutes it's an album I listen to in the bath it's it it's such a beautiful form of escapism to me 
But that track specifically, I can view almost every detail on that track. And it's something else he also states in the, the, the correspondence of fiction commentary mm. is that like his favourite authors, and I am paraphrasing, they are his favourite authors because they let him fill in the gaps. Mm. So, you know, these characters who he's discussing, you don't know how old they are, you don't mm. know their names, you don't mm. know what they look like, but mm. you almost picture it. So in, in my head, they're on an old old ship, old wooden ship, sailing mm -hmm. through, and, you know, it, it, it tackles the, the subject of the dad being a drunk and mm -hmm. using that to... Mm -hmm against this daughter almost in, in the fact that everyone, even his crew, is telling him we need to turn back. This this journey's too much now. And if you if you want to see your daughter alive, you need to sober up, you need to go home. Mm -hmm. But and you know, one of the lyrics he says is it's too late, we're drowning, you know, we're already there. I can't stop now. And it's such a beautiful vision, the heartbreaking vision. And something he says about that is and this is quite it's that the joke is though that correspondence, sorry, correspondence of fiction is in fact a fiction. It remains a Levi the Poet album, and so it must be a tragedy. And that mm. chapter belongs to the girl's father, and perhaps it's rough. Sometimes it looks like getting exactly what you've always wanted, and at least it is a consequence. Mm. So I just think, and I think the theme of the album really is visually beautiful for something that is an audio piece is mm. very powerful mm. and I think what's what's the end the end of that that track is particularly powerful as well it's tragedy indeed mm. the innocence though it never was could have been mm. so you, you know that the love of his daughter was there but the addiction and the to both his journey to prove that he can be make something of himself and the addiction to alcohol has, has stopped young love and mm -hmm. young life. It's just a beautiful track. Mm. I just wonder what you well, think with that. I, I think what part of the thing to me that makes it powerful is some really good one-liners. Uh, Drifting is a deeper threat than betrayal, which I think is just a really nice way of... Um, Summarising that problem of not not getting things done, not dealing with problems, not not uh, just just getting on with life and not doing what what you should do, doing what you need to do, and uh, and the the one that I think is this separated out from all the others which is that line about I wanted to prove to my wife that I wasn't a failure. And I, I think that was a really interesting line because there's a lot of discussion today about the role of masculinity and um, gender relationships and stuff and the various pressures in different sneaks in subtlety and subtlety can kill a man, various pressures on people and um, uh, particularly on... on in their own, you know, we all have pressures and traumas and issues. And the one around that issue of, of, of whether you want to use the phrase toxic masculinity, which I don't think applies here, but certainly issues around 
men and failure and pressure and responsibility and gender relationships and, and how that all works, which isn't often successful as we know. And then the uh, subtleties can kill a man I take as a kind of a reference to male suicidality, which is a very high rate. I think more women attempt suicide, but more men are successful, if that's the right way around, successful or do the act in a way that achieves what they're trying to do. So, um, and in fact, it's become one of the leading causes of death for young men in the West. So, I think it touches on a lot of those, and then it does so with reference to things like Leviathan, and, and that's quite a classic literary trope. So it does so in a very intelligent, meaningful, rigorous way. A little bit like the sort of Devo do punk in an arty way. It's like this does a lot of contemporary issues that other bands might sing about, uh, but this does it in a, in a, a very sensitive way that because with the references to the white whale and the black plague and um the 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 i think of the black plague as the black dog which is what commonly used synonym for depression that is obviously as yeah. well going for the album this yeah. theme is yeah. very much depression and so that's that's one of the yeah. major themes so so it, it's um it's great. I mean, it's it's a really, really well-constructed thought piece on all of that. And I can see how people identify with it and, and love it. And what I think what I like about it also is that it's, it's a piece of independent artwork produced by somebody or a small team of people. But essentially, the, the, the part you're... you're you're buying into the part you're identifying with is the the emotiveness of what he's doing, and the the message and the story, which comes from Levi, and uh, I just think that's really brave and great that it's out there because it's it's poetry is the purest form of of uh, of lyricism in this you know that even going all the way back to medieval times, the poets and that. Was, was very important certainly in romantic times before recorded music you, you you would have you could only record words on paper so there was poetry and that was it it wasn't audio so po the poets were the first rock stars in that sense in, in the romantic era and um so it kind of harkens back to a lot of that as well and just just to sort in a really nicely well-informed way and yeah, I think it's lovely. I think it's really nice. And it, the, do what do you think about it? Is um, what was your reaction when you first heard it? That track in particular, or the album, the album as a whole, and then those the moments on the album that brought your so, attention. I wasn't expecting being asked a question. No, but, that's alright. If that's okay. But um, no, of course. Um, I think for me, I remember the first time I heard it. So. The story starts with Levi the poet for me was a friend of mine and I'll name him Kane. Mm -hmm. Huge Levi the poet fan. He found this video on YouTube of Levi the poet where he had just there was a gig being played as far as the YouTube 
description is aware anywhere. There was a gig being played, Levi came in off the street. Um, I believe he may have been homeless at the time, he has dealt with homelessness, so I don't know if he was homeless at the time of this video. And between acts, he got on stage and did a piece of poetry. That went on YouTube, and then ever since, that's where I've been aware. Mm. And I think it was just him and a microphone, and it was so raw, it was really beautiful. My friend Kane fell in love with that. Mm. There's another spoken word band called Listener, who, again, like I said, they came over recently and toured together, and I saw them in Brighton, which was me the first time seeing Levi. Mm -hmm. And I was very much in the listener side of the camp, and Kane was in the Levi the Poet side of the camp. And then together, being two friends in my small little village where I used to live, only listening to this style of music, we, we latched on to both of them. Mm. And I think for me, out of all of Levi's work, especially the new album Cataract as well, which is very powerful. Correspondence always stands out to mm. me. And I remember the first time I heard it from start to finish, I think I must have cried a few times. Oh. I, I felt so much and I, I, I felt so much compassion, yet I related to it. You know, there's there so much in the album that I related to, especially like you said, the black dog side of things. One of my all-time favourite lyrics is off of this album, and it's in chapter three. And it's the one that says, I know my sweet seductress, and her name is Depression. Mm. I wrote best beneath that demon's destructive oppression. And for me, when I, I think when I first heard that, wasn't going through a great time. And, but it was what pushed me, funnily enough, it's what mm. pushed me to come to Brighton, come to wow. Brighton and push myself further. And, without the black dog as such or the black plague yeah. i probably wouldn't have had that motivation to try and get out of it and you know pursue this career choice that i'm doing this educational thing that i'm doing which has led to this podcast so really you know this album has been the catalyst of a lot of creative things for me mm. a lot of professional things for me like it's, it's a huge album in my life mm. and I think the first time I heard it, it was overwhelmed with emotion. I yeah. think I played it three times in a row wow, cool. as well. So for me, that was my first experience of the album. But that's the power of what music, how music can connect, isn't it, with people? And, and that everybody brings their own thing to a piece of music, and and so that 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 can do that. Obviously, the music's bringing something to you, and then you're aligning it with your own experiences and ideas and impressions of the world and and when they when they hook up together it can be extremely extremely powerful i think for me as well surprisingly um upon researching this album a bit further mm -hmm. with the, this in this idea in mind to have this discussion with you mm -hmm. one of the main questions i wanted to ask levi because like i said i'll, I'll put the um the pdf of commentary in the, the podcast notes mm -hmm. for people to read if they want to. It's, it's I said to you before, it's, like, it's the easiest album to talk about mm. because he's been so open mm. with how he created it, where it comes from. Mm. But it's, he, it took him under a year to mm. create this whole mm. right, create, mm. and I just find that incredible. Mm. That such a beautiful piece of art for me. Maybe it's because I'm not a musician, maybe I'm because I'm not aware of these creative, you know, the creative 
work yeah. goes into an album, to me, that's just a mind-blowing mm. timescale. Do you think um, there's a challenge to listening to spoken word music that's different for the listener compared to melodic, openly melodic music? It's a harder sell. It's one of the main reasons I gave you this album. Mm. And it's one of the main reasons it's one of the first albums I wanted to cover. Yeah. So I wanted to show that, especially with this podcast, which for me is to get people listening to new music or re-listening to old music that may see the wayside or even if it, we're going to start tackling albums in the future that are massive I wanted it to be something that will introduce people to mm. new art and I always I think you know I, I've, I've shown I've tried to show people this before mm. people are very minded on like you with the melodies of things yeah. that a song should be a song yeah. you know and they just don't get it, or they're not willing to get it. So I get it, and I I see also because it makes me think of those other think of those other things like Lawrence Frilligetti and stuff. So I'm familiar with the tradition, and I think it's a great example of a contemporary reinvention of that kind of thing that has a long history. So I don't I I'm, I totally get it. I th- I just wonder if. It's a bit like the parallel with the Devo thing would be the amount of noise and, and sonic interference on that record. So it's like they're, they're sort of melodic and, and he's singing very often one note melodies. So with that sort of high pitched wobbly voice. So it's a, it's a similar thing. What The one thing that a lot of people listen to in music is the vocal. And, and when, there's, when it's challenging audio, whether it's the Devo album or or something like this, which is so sparse in terms of melody, and and the the it's it's like a lot of words flowing through you without a hook or a chorus to hold things together. Yeah, I wonder if people will will struggle to take it on board the same way that they would if it was more constructed as a song, whether Levi is considered doing, say, a spoken word verse and then something of a hook and then another... So, and that would turn it almost into a rap record where you get, you know, like a long bit of spoken word and then a a riff or a vocal hook and then more spoken word. So it it could be constructed... I I don't mind. I just wonder in terms of him expanding and getting his stuff out there and um, in terms of how he moves forward with it, if you think that was a something you'd thought of, because it wouldn't—it's not far. You, you could literally take any of these. It kind of goes back to that idea of throwing something on top to kind of go, "Here's a little hook," whether it's a backing vocal thing or. A... So what made me think of was um, "Walk on the Wild Side." I. I was thinking like a, a little do do and the cover goes saying do do do, do, do <laughs> which is obviously probably not there you could use today, but that little that beautiful little introduction and then they they come in yeah it's uh, it's it's almost like is there a way of um, I wonder if he I wonder if he's kind of plowing his forearm and this is his art. Yeah. And you don't fuck with it. Yeah, you mean that's who that he is. To be his art. Yeah, I mean that's fair enough and that's that's great. Or if there's an element of right, I 
I'm gonna try experiment, change the format slightly, and, and if you were doing that in a way to try and capture a wider audience, that you wouldn't have to do much to make that happen. Again, though, not a musician, but if you're making a living off of your art, mm. surely you've, you've made it, right? Well, That's... that is the thing. If he's if this is his living, then don't change it because it's great and it's unique. So he should stay with that. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, yeah wonderful stuff. Is there anything apart from what we discussed? Mm. Well, it's just just brought up so much. Yeah. The um... is there anything you personally? I mean, let me ask you. A, a question first because mm-hmm. you know we're, we're wrapping up shortly mm-hmm. but is there anything that you really connected to on a personal level is there, do you see any of yourself in this album do you see yes the the i really there's a there's a debate going on here about faith and the world around you and how they interact and that's something i've experienced and he the he references c.s lewis which is a very he, Moby Dick, American classic, everyone yeah. knows it, even American, and most people can kind of go, oh, right, that's a big piece of literature in American history. C.S. Lewis, that's like, ooh, that, because that's still a big art yeah. writer. But, Maybe more so for us on each side of the shores. Yeah, but no, not many people, I reckon, I reckon, put your hands up who's heard of C.S. Lewis in a bin class today, virtually no hands go up. Well, certainly no one could name uh, a character or, yeah. or, or an artifact from that author. So, um, and he was also very famously a, a, a hugely important figure in, in Christianity in the media in his lifetime. And the, so to reference that, and then this, he talks about the debate over dualism, which is fascinating to me. And that really... Anybody who can use the word dualism in a lyric, that's like a... There's a few lyrics that Pixies do. We started off talking about lyrics and the bands that are really good at lyrics and Frank Black and the Pixies or, uh, or Black Francis as he was then genuinely could throw in like a turn of phrase that just was so arresting. And that, that idea of writing about dualism, he, Morrissey does it does, does the body rule the mind or does the mind rule the body? I don't know. Right, that's that kind of what that is and it's brilliant. And and the cataracts and the, the faith and clarity. Um, so I loved that. I thought it was really great. And this kind of, the, the idea of, it, of, of evangelical traditions in the States, which is so important. And his relationship to that. I'm sure, like many people in America, they, he, I'm sure there's some kind of personal relationship going on there. And then the tombstone love note, the use of the word tombstone, because that's got a classic, it's a classic American trope, it's like tombstone and cemetery, like in the Westerns. So it's just, Dylan uses it in tombstone blues. And it also has a little, it's a bit of internal rhyme with the O's in it. So it's just one of, it's one of my favourite words to use in a song. It's often used in a kind of a dark way. So the idea of tombstone love note is an absolutely brilliant phrase because 
it's all O's. So it's quite, it has very strong internal rhyme, but the words themselves, tombstone and love note, are not ones that you would associate to. No. So I, there's a little... there. Yes, it's, it's, it's very, very good lyrically. It's outstanding, actually. And... Um, it's interesting that you picked up on the religious side mm. of it as well. I mean, it's not secret. That's another huge theme in the album. Um, I, I, I don't want to assume which religion Levi practices, but I know he's very religious. Mm. And, and as someone personally who isn't, I, there's something very beautiful about it. There's a, there's a track on his newest album, Cataracts, called Dark Knight of the Soul, and it's... Yeah. it's it's very much the relationship with God where why would you let this happen to me yes. when I'm, I'm, I so strongly believe and problem of evil yeah and it's just I don't know you know that it must be such a horrible feeling to go through someone of their faith but for me as someone who doesn't have that faith I feel quite envious listening to albums like this of people that do mm. to have such a I don't know beautiful spirit spiritual being in your life it's a wonderful way to live I've lived with faith and it's an amazing way to live. I've never been happier than when I had faith I've never been healthier I've never been more mentally well balanced, it's a really really great way to live that's a wonderful tool to overcome challenges did you say have faith or have faith I, to have faith I, I, I grew up as an atheist and then I had a period when I got sober where I got sober in AA, so I found a sort of a higher power, and that morphed into a kind of constructed idea about faith, and um, and then about five years ago, I lost my faith, so I'm back at being an atheist again. But I had a period of 14 years, the first 14 years of my sobriety, where I prayed every day, because I had very strong faith, yeah, it saved my life. And then eventually I kind of reassessed it and I thought, well, what's going to happen now? But I'm still sober. Um, and uh, I'm now back as an atheist again. But that was a, that, that, and part of that was a problem of evil, which is what you're yeah. referencing. So, of course. Yeah. But, but is AA not, not hugely, I, I thought it was more of an American. The Twelve step yeah, programs yeah. and things like that. And it's, there's a lot of God mentioned. There. Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to ask they you. They say it's, it's spiritual, it's yeah. spiritual rather than religious. Okay, but it's still spiritual, and I'm not spiritual. Okay, I'm a. But I'm do you feel the time on the Richard Dawkins seven points? <laughs> okay, I am seven. Okay, but at the time when you were going through your sobriety or starting your sobriety, do you feel? That religion was an easy thing to hold on to to help you through all I had the, the journey. To. So it wasn't easy. It was all that was okay. left, and that's what that's what you're when you're at that when you're on your knees and you're at that surrender. You become egoless, and that's what faith is. He's got out. Your ego is he's got out, and faith is is accept guidance from, from another source and you know that Islam and surrender is all the faith traditions you are surrendering to a greater power that will nurture you and take care of you so it wasn't something I would have chosen to do it was all that it was the last option I had okay. if I wanted to stay alive 
and and that helped me greatly. And then after about thirteen years, I was like, well, I just I it set up a kind of cognitive dissonance, partly through things like the problem of evil and things like that. And I just in the end, I was like, okay, this is now no longer helping me, so we'll do something else. So then I I started exploring evolutionary psychology, and I think that is the best explanation we have for all our brain mechanisms that they evolved just like our bodies did of course there is no biology other than evolutionary biology and there is no if you do, if you if you're an, if you're a materialist if you don't believe in spirituality or the, the the mind body divide there is no psychology other than biological psychology your brain is your 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 body of course so they are all the same thing that's and that's kind of where it went back to so then i spent some time looking at how evolution powers our decision making over things like food and, and, and sugar and our appetite for that and our reward systems and alcohol and sex and in-group thinking that's a, we're, we're very which is why it's so brave to to be outwardly christian in this country because the uh, you know the predominant ideas are atheistic and why it's so difficult i'm sure if you live in um, new mexico to not be a christian because yeah. everybody's a christian and i'm sure that he has gen i'm sure nebo has powerful and genuine faith and as funny enough does sort jen stevens yeah and my other favorite midwest american band low who are mormons very powerful faith, and it makes for great music. Played a great uh, gig in Bright Reason in the church. Indeed, I saw them the first time around in the same church, and wow. one of the best gigs I've ever seen. And 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 I dearly wish I'd been at that one the other week, and I missed it. Um, so yeah, the the I can see both sides, and I certainly see the part, and I would never. There are people for whom faith is important. I I tend not to engage with it because I don't want to disrupt what I think is a good thing in my life. Of course. I think on that, I think we covered a good chunk of everything. Yeah, it's a great so, record and it's got some brilliant references and it's really well made. The other thing I love about it is the sleeve artwork, which again, there's a Bob Dylan album called Self Portrait and it's like that, only better. <laughs> and the, my last thought which I think is really smart, is the correspondence is um, a style of book writing. So there are, there are it's called the, the epistolary novel. I can't say that, but the epistolary novel, which comes from the epistles. So the Bible, St. Paul, the books of Paul and the Bible are Paul's letters. Letter to the Phoenicians, letter to the... So a commentary. No, not commentary, no, correspondence, sorry. Yeah, there's his, his letters to the Romans, his letters to these various early Christian communities, explaining what Christ wanted them, how to help them uh, solve their differences and grow as communities. And there are some famous novels that have taken that form, such as Dracula and Jane Eyre, it's a, it's a novel, it's a writing style that he's this. I don't know of many or any albums written like that. 
which is really really new that is art that's new yeah. ground that's really really smart stuff so yeah. props to Levi because that's very good that's a that's a great closing statement I'm sure I'll be happy about it if you listen um, thank you John uh, Dr John for being my first guest and such a great one um, five minutes three minutes however long you want is there anything you want the people to know uh Anything no, coming up. Anything you want to plug? We've got a tour in March, uh, which is on the Sleeper Facebook. If you Google Sleeper Facebook official, you'll find that I teach the BA Honors and run the BA Honors music business at Bim in Brighton, which has been my great joy for the last uh, eight years since it ran. But I've been here since the school started and taught on every program pretty much, and um, it's a great place to be. I have a book coming out next year called Dylan, Lennon, Marx and God. Uh, hopefully on Cambridge University Press uh, when that contract's done. But that's in the offing and looking very positive. And, um, and then I'll be doing another book on social psychology and popular music based on the work of a guy called Jonathan Haidt, H-A-I-D-T, who is a looks at the psychology of in-groups and, and where our moral impulses come from. So I'm really excited about that project because I'm hoping it's going to be a bit of groundbreaking work because his book, uh, The Moral... I think it's The Moral Impulse? Or is an outstanding bit of work. And, and it, what I like about Hey, much like Devo and um, The Righteous Mind, so his book's called The Righteous Mind, and what I like about his work is a lot like Devo, or indeed, indeed like Levi the poet, is it's quite challenging. So he he challenges a lot of our preconceptions, and uh, he questions a lot of things we kind of take for granted, and he's really after what is true and what's correct not necessarily what is um comfortable and truths are often not comfortable of course and so and i'm interested i'm at a stage in my life where i want truth while i'm the remaining time i have and that, that's why i'm fascinated by the whole evolutionary psychology debate because that was shut off for a long time so it's not very pc and i remember being told not to read books like sociobiology when it came out in the 70s because it was um, not very politically correct. And I, I now think of things, I take off the word politically correct and I just go, is it correct? And I'm really interested in whatever time I've got left as someone who's approaching late middle age, trying to find, grasping closer towards those truths. What, what are our brains mechanisms? Where do they come from? Why do we think, why do we do? Why do we like certain things? And um, which goes down to that issue of duality and dualism, which is, which is he's wrestling with throughout this album. Same stuff, same big questions. And we're living in a great time. There's never been a better time to explore this stuff. It's all out there, which is really exciting. Sounds good. I look forward to your book. Cheers. I'll check it out. That's been great. Cheers, John. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. That was the episode. Huge thank you to everyone who listened. Everyone that's going to continue to listen. Thanks to John. 
great chat loved having him on would happily have him on again sleepers new album the modern age out now all the albums discussed in this podcast they're available for you to buy check them out great albums next episode coming soon if you'd like to be a guest give us a shout we'd love to have you on thanks for listening to keep it on wax i'm caleb see you next time